Welcome to Unsupervised Leadership. We made it all the way to season three. Who would have thought? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> like you said, though, at the end of last season, season three in 2023. Wow, this is going to be our lucky year, I think. You're happy about that. I was. I was like, wow, that rhymes. That's a good way to start the year. Did you say this is going to be our lucky year? Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> no, it is. You have to say that. You have I, it to is. Put it out there. It is. It's out there. It, this is going to be our lucky year. It is going to be. And you know what? We haven't talked to you guys since like the beginning of December because it was like holiday break and we were really busy and we had, we did a lot, didn't we? We really had a lot going on, but I was excited to take a break. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit nervous now though, because I have to get back to editing the podcast. When you take a break on something like that, it's uh, it takes a mental toll. So I'm hoping that I can get back on and make things happen for us again. Yeah. I hope so too. Cause I can't edit. I, I know. And I, I messed it up. No, you can't. <laughs> no, I've, I'm forfeiting that. <laughs> Courtney got a new addition to her family though, guys, didn't you? I did. So I went to parent-teacher conferences and you know how teachers do cute stuff at elementary school. Mm -hmm. And my daughter's teacher had this cute little book outside for when you wait, come in to see her and I'm flipping through it. And the book was about, if you had a chance, what would you do with your chance? So I flipped to my daughter's page. <laughs> And she's like, I'm going to have the best third grade year ever. I'm going to, with my chance, I'm going to make new friends. And, and she put like dot, dot, dot. I'm going to bribe my parents to get me a dog. Yeah, this is good. Way to go out. Now I had a dog, Winston, RIP Winston. Anyone that knows me, that was my first baby. I had him before I had my son. He was the best dog. He was a Shih Tzu. You didn't know Winston. No, I didn't, but he's cute. I've seen pets. But you know what? When I had to put Winston down. Oh, that's the worst. I, it was the worst. And you know who did it? Me. I'm the one who experienced that. It was awful. And I said, I'm never doing this again. But my mom, you know, Loretta, Loretta always says every dog needs a kid and every kid needs a dog. Oh, well, I love that. Yeah, love whatever. Loretta. So I broke down and I got this dog. <laughs> I got a dog. His name is Bentley and he's a Shih Tzu and he's cute, isn't he? Mm. That's the only thing keeping me going. so cute. But let me tell you, everyone's like, yeah, it's like having a newborn again. You just have to get used to it. First of all, no, it's not. And here's what I need everyone to realize. When you have a newborn, you can put the newborn in a bouncy chair to be able to do things like use the restroom, take a shower, make dinner. <laughs> And the newborn can't move. That's number one. Okay. You can't do that with a puppy. You can maybe put the puppy in the cage, but then you look over, even if you're caging the puppy, you feel terrible, but you also have to go outside now in sub zero temperatures. You know, we had, well, you don't yeah. know because no. you weren't around, gone. <laughs> you were gone, which we'll get to, but I'm outside in the dead of winter, 30 below zero every two hours taking this dog out. And anyone that knows me, I need my sleep. I'm sleep deprived. I've tried to get this dog potty trained. It's just been a grind. And the only thing keeping me going is that face because he is, oh, he is really, so cute. really cute. And have you ever met a dog that loves toys more than this dog? He literally, he, I mean, he fetches. He does, which is weird because I've never seen a Shih Tzu do that. And I was like, oh my God, he's like a real dog. <laughs> yeah. And Kate came over, of course, to take care of my kids so that I could go get this dog. And I walk in 
the dog's there and she took a video of my daughter and son opening the box. And my son was just like, oh my gosh. And my daughter, oh yeah, it was really, really sweet. It was priceless, but guess who's taking care of the dog? You are. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew that that was going to end up happening, but yes, welcome to Bentley. And I've asked how long does the puppy phase last? Guess what I heard? A year. I'm not going to make it. You are. You're going to make it. He's going to like sleep through the night soon. It's going to be oh, fine. Okay. I believe it. Okay. I think that's going to happen for you. Enough about me. Let's talk about you not being in sub zero temperatures over winter break. Tell everyone what you did. I went to Egypt. Oh. Um, I went to Egypt because I love to travel and so does my husband, but the past like six places we've gone, I got to pick. And my husband's like, please, I really want to go to Egypt. It's the only place in the world I want to go. It's also the only books that he will read. (laughs) He will get books about Egypt and like listen to the history and discovery channel. So he's into this. And I was like, I really don't want to go. Um, but I went and I did get on a camel and that was a great part. It looked like a magazine cover. Yeah, it was beautiful. Like that part was beautiful. The pyramids were beautiful. We got to go in churches that, you know, they said like Mary and Jesus and Joseph were in. And that was really cool. Um, Hot air balloons. Yeah, I did go in a hot air balloon. Mm. Um, That was great. I did have a very humbling experience. And I need to talk about this on the podcast because we talk on the podcast all the time about females being mean to other females, right. And how you shouldn't do it. And I, um, I slipped up on my trip and I was crabby because we had to get up at like five o'clock in the morning. And we had walked like 11 miles to the Valley of the Kings and then the Valley of the Queens and all these different places in the mountains. And I was tired of it and I didn't want to do it anymore. And I was in this Queen Nefertiti's tomb and I was making fun of it. And I said in the tomb, like this, (laughs) tomb looks bad. Like the, it looks like there's watercolors in here. Like they colored it with Crayola markers. Like I'm like going off on a tangent about how awful this lady's tomb is. And number one, you shouldn't do that. Number two, I should always be nice to other females. I don't know what my problem is. And you guys, I walked out of the tomb and the little stone step cracked and I rolled my ankle. Ooh. Yep. Really rolled my ankle. Yeah. She got my ass. Like Yeah. She's like, there you go. That's what you get for talking about me. I heard you. I don't even know what Crayola markers are. (laughs) I was so sad and I didn't want to like make a big deal out of the fact that I rolled my ankle because it was new year's Eve. We were with another couple. They were getting engaged that night when we were in Egypt. So I didn't want to be like, I need to go home because my ankle's 17 times the size is what it should be. (laughs) So I then asked the people in Egypt for a plastic bag, you know, to put some ice in, Mm -hmm. um, and they don't have those. So I had to put my foot in a champagne, holder with ice in it, which was fitting for me. Cause I love champagne, but it still like, wasn't a great experience. That is fitting for you actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, what else was really interesting is right after that, we went into this, um, Pharaoh's Pharaoh, Pharaoh, I guess I should say tomb. And it was the one and only female Pharaoh during like the ancient Egyptian times. And she became a Pharaoh because she said that her father was a Pharaoh and she was from a Royal bloodline and she got the politicians to endorse her. And she would make these like big statues of her looking like a male. So she thought people would take her seriously. And she led for like 30 plus years and she was really great. But the minute that she died, the new Pharaoh came in and was so, um, 
like worried about her and her image and what she had done to the community that he defaced all of her statues and took away all of her things. And it was really sad. And I was like, that is not nice. She did a good job. That's terrible. I know. So they don't really like women that much over there is kind of what I've gathered. So Hmm. it wasn't, I was like, that's not good. I've had, we had some experiences like that, like in mosques and in some of the temples and in some of the things, which was, it was fascinating. And it also made me feel so grateful that I live in the United States. Well, will we be going back anytime soon? Mm -mm. Okay. Well, I missed you where you were gone. Yeah. I'm not going back, but it was beautiful and I liked it. You know what everyone's probably wondering right now? What? What we're drinking. Well, you know, it's January. Yeah. I heard on the news that 35% of people are engaging in dry January. Yeah. Are, Are we? No, we're not. Of course we aren't. And not only are we not (laughs) doing that, because there's a statistic that says that people that do dry January drink more in February. Which would likely happen to us. So why should we even engage with it in the first place? We respect those of you out there that have decided to go down that path, but we are not. for you. Yeah. What are we drinking today? We are drinking coffee with Baileys in it. There you go. Let's cheers to that. There you go. Mm -hmm. It's good too. Yeah. Nespresso. I'm telling you. We don't hate it. Yeah. We don't hate it. So in other words, we have some other life updates. We have our event coming out, our F4 Leader Live event that is over in Harvard, which is by Lake Geneva. For those of you that are really bad with geography like me, um, (laughs) we're going to have ticket sales coming out soon. We will get that information to you as soon as we do that. We are also almost done with our book, right? Yeah, I'm real proud of us. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't know. We decided mm-hmm. like we were going to be like Carrie Bradshaw and this is going to be really fun. And now we're like, oh man, we this really got to work. Yeah. It is a lot of work. And this podcast is a lot of work. I know. And we have full-time jobs. Yeah. I think we, that we actually care about and I think do really well. Yeah. I yeah. know. We so have like hard. three full-time jobs right now. We do. And we and I have four like because one. I have this dog. Yeah, you do. You have, <laughs> <you> have <laughs> Bentley. Don't even... <laughs> Don't even talk to me. Um, our sparkle sister, Bob Sharma Lewis, as everyone knows, she, <laughs> first of all, she wanted me to name my dog Prosecco, if that tells you anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, then she said we should name him Tito. But then the best part was she said, clearly, because I was complaining about my life. And she said, clearly, you didn't call me first before you made this decision. And I didn't because I was trying to make a decision on the best interest of my children. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I knew she would say, don't do it. She would say, don't do it. She yeah. would say, don't do it. I do want to um, give a shout out though. We have two sponsors for our event in June. We do. I'm really excited about that. We me will too. unveil those people as we get closer, but um, we're super, super excited about that. And I'm really excited today for our guest. So am I. So Mm. we decided for season three that we're going to bring you a good mix of people because we know that we have people in education that listen to us. We have people in business that listen to us. We have people that are just listening to us because they want to, um, which is great because we got our ratings back from Spotify and apparently people in other countries listen to us too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) People in Egypt are now listening to us. I bet. I was promoting it when I was there. They were probably like, we don't want to listen to this girl, but they probably tuned in. Mm -hmm. Um, but We have a range of different people coming on this season and we love all of them. And we're so grateful that they came on. But today we have Colonel Margaret McGreal. She is a 24 year veteran of the Illinois State Police and she serves as the first 
female colonel of the Division of Patrol. In this role, Colonel McGreal currently oversees both Support Service Command and Patrol Operations Command, which consists of 21 strategically situated districts statewide who work to provide law enforcement to the public as well as fellow, fellow law enforcement agencies. So she is in charge of essentially all of the patrol cars for the Illinois State Police, which is massive. And she's the first female ever to do it. She was appointed in May of 2021. Before she was appointed to the Colonel, she was the deputy director. And Colonel McGreal held the rank of Lieutenant Colonel of Support Services Command. And prior to that, she served as District Chicago Commander. She started her career back in 1997. Um, and she's fantastic. And it's funny because I told her when we were interviewing her, my sister actually called me because my sister's husband is um, an Illinois State Police officer. And she said, oh my gosh, you have to get Ryan, that's her husband's um, boss on your podcast. And she's like, she is the boss of all of these cops. And she goes, and I saw her at the holiday party and she's beautiful. I was like, what? And we were laughing and she said like, I just, I don't know, like maybe stereotypically you think like somebody that's like in charge of all these, you know, police officers statewide would be like, I guess more masculine. I don't know, but she was like, she's awesome and she's funny and she's real and you should get her on. And we asked her and she was like, absolutely, I would love it. So without further ado, we're going to bring you Colonel Margaret McGreal. All right, Courtney, we are in luck today because we have an F4 leader that is not in education, but instead she is the Colonel of the Illinois State Police. Isn't that right? We're super excited about this. And I'm hoping that she can tell us how we can get out of a speeding ticket. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> right? You know, just a little bit of wisdom. But so we're here today. And we really wanted to bring you this guest because we know we've gotten a lot of feedback that people love to hear from people in education and outside of education. So without further ado, we have Colonel Margaret McGreal on. And Margaret, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what your favorite drink is? Yes, thank you. I'm so excited to be on this. I appreciate the invite. Um, so yes, my name is Margaret McGreal, and I am currently a colonel in the Illinois State Police. Um, I oversee the Division of Patrol, which is the department's largest division. And basically what that means is that I oversee the all the uniformed troopers uh, that work the streets throughout the state on all of our expressways and U.S. routes. Um, and my favorite drink? Um, actually, my favorite drink is probably a chocolate cream cold brew from Starbucks. I would take that any day, any hour, any time. So that is my favorite drink. We love that. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's that time of year as well. And we, Kate and I frequent Starbucks quite often. So I'm fascinated about your journey. Talk to us a little bit about how did you initially even get into law enforcement and then talk us through how you've made it to this leadership role that you currently are in. Yes. Um, so gosh, it's, it's been a long time ago. So about 25 years ago, um, I applied for the Illinois State Police. I actually also applied for Chicago PD. Um, Illinois State Police called first. So I, um, I always wanted to do something that was not boring. And this is definitely the job. It, it, it is not boring at all. 
Um, I really didn't know. I didn't have any law enforcement in my family. I really didn't know where it was going to take me. I just, you know, had signed up. Um, it was right out of college. And, um, and then I entered the academy. And I remember um, I was living with my parents. I had graduated college. I remember telling my mom, hey, mom, I'm going to be starting the Illinois State Police Academy in two weeks. And she about like fell over. Oh. Um, and, you know, we couldn't believe she couldn't believe that, um, you know, her her only daughter, I have three brothers, was going to now become a state trooper. And, you know, that that journey went on. You go to the academy, then you get placed into the district, which I'm born and raised in Chicago. So I was sent back to Chicago to work the expressways up here. And that was, you know, some of the best times working the street in, in the Chicagoland area. And then from there, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that, uh, well, first of all, I'm competitive. So uh, being out there on the street, I worked midnights for a long time. I, I enjoyed it so much. I just, I loved, loved working, working uh, the area up here. I knew it very well from being up here. Um, and then eventually, you know, I'm a firm believer in just working hard and, and, you know, and having fun too. Like that's part of it. Like you, you do the job because you love it and you do it because you know that you're making a difference. And when you follow that and you follow your heart, it, it just takes you to really good places. So eventually um, I uh, stayed here in Chicago and uh, became a sergeant, a master sergeant um, on the street here in Chicago. And then um, eventually became a lieutenant and then the captain of District Chicago. I honestly thought that like that was always my dream job was to be the captain of, of the district. It's the most busiest, the largest, the most hard, hardest working troopers up here. Um, it's nonstop. You're, you're thrown into the fire up here. And I have so much respect for our troopers um, statewide, um, but especially in the areas around the state where, where the crime is high and the calls for service are extremely, extremely high. And um, so I stayed here and then Eventually, I um, so the, the the exempt ranks are appointed, and through all this throughout all this process for each each uh, rank and promotion, you have to test and you also get rated, and then once you get the captain, you're then appointed from there. So after that, I was appointed to become a lieutenant colonel, and then um, last year in 2021, the colonel had retired. They then asked me to be the colonel of patrol. It, it's been a great journey. I, I mean, I I can't believe it's it's um it's it's coming to an end. I don't have much time left, and I can't even believe it. I never in a million years thought that I would ever run the division of patrol. It was not even in my in my sight, to be honest with you. I am the first female to be in this position as the, over the colonel. I'm sorry, over the division of patrol as the colonel. Yeah. Um, and that um, I'm honored. I'm I'm honored to to be here. And and I and I tell the troopers now, as crazy and busy as our division is, there is no other place that I'd rather be. So it's been a great great journey. How many other women do you know that have the role that you have across the country? That I don't know. Now I do know in our own division there are there's another um, wo- woman who is the colonel over our 911 and our you know, our, our, our 911 uh, division. And then there's another colonel. She's actually code. She's a deputy director. She's over our forensics area in the state police. So there are two other female equivalent 
colonels within the state police, and it's great. It's great to have them, uh, you know, have have a set a seat at the table is what we like to say. Yeah. That's what we say all the time. So Courtney kind of just hit on this, but talk to us and our listeners a little bit about how it feels to be a leader in a male dominated profession. Like, do you ever feel weird about that? Did you feel weird when they kind of asked you to step up or were you like, no, I love this and I'm good at my job. So I'm going to do it. Or did you have any reservations? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so first of all, I feel like, so I'm, um, I have three brothers and we're, we're all a year apart. So being around males is not uncommon for me whatsoever. And as far as like the male dominated profession, you know, it's male dominated because of the history of it. And that's, that's just the facts. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that women have, the more women that have joined where we, you know, we've changed that there's a lot more women on the, on the job. Is there enough? Absolutely not. I think that we can definitely continue to recruit women in law enforcement for sure. I think that women can, can do just, can do this job just as good as, as any male can. So, you know, and as far as like being a leader in the male dominated profession, I actually feel great. I, I hold my own. I, I know I've earned this position. Um, I'm not afraid to speak up. Um, and I, I think I always, one of the things that I do always do is I'm, I'm, I, I stay true to myself um, as, you know, who I am as a person. And, and it's been a very positive experience. I don't really see, you know, if like, like when you ask me, like, do you feel weird? Which I think is, a, is such a great question. Like, no, I don't. I don't feel weird at all. My experience in the Division of Patrol has carried me to this position today. I've never even thought of myself prior to this in this position. And being here and knowing so much about how the division works has been such a great, great experience for me. So I take it as, you know, it's not, it's not a weird experience at all. I think it's, um, you know, there's the experience has brought on confidence and the ability to, you know, to do what we believe in, in our division and to know what we're doing here. And so it's, 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 it's been great. I mean, I honestly, it's, it's, um, it's definitely the most busiest um, division, but I, I feel like my, my whole life has always been so busy and um, there's very little downtime that I think I'm just, it's, it's kind of ingrained in me to be that way. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So you are super confident and you can tell that you love what you do. So what advice do you have for women who are listening right now? Maybe they're educators, but we have people that listen from all different walks of life and they do totally different things. What do you tell somebody that's listening who says, I'd never be able to do what she's doing? What advice do you have for women? I think that's such a great question. So my first, my first comment is just go for it. Like go and do it. Like don't, don't doubt yourself. There's, there should be no self-doubt that you can't do it. And, you know, I think that um, not letting anything or anyone stop you is, is so important because, you know, throughout, throughout our lives, like they're always change, like our lives are always changing. As a woman, you know, we might get into relationships, uh, we might have children. And sometimes, you know, you know, even like on my panels, like I was telling you about earlier, some of the things that that we, that we hear is, well, you know, I'm, I want to have a child, so I'm not sure if I should take that promotion. But if it's something that you truly, truly want, you should continue to pursue your goals. And, 
and, you know, I put myself into that position, um, you know, several years ago, I was asked to take, it's called an operations, operational lieutenant position. And basically what that means is that you're in a district and you're like the number two person. So you're not the captain yet, but you're the number two, which is extremely important as well. And at that time, um, my children were two, three, and four, mm -hmm. and I had them pretty much back to back. And I remember going to my mentor and, and you know, someone that I've worked with uh, my whole career, and I was scared. I mean, that's the first thing I was like, how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to, I have three children at, at home. How am I going to take, take on this big job? And he, of course, said, oh, my gosh, you always, you know, you, you can never, like, don't, don't doubt yourself. Don't, don't doubt yourself. You're going to do it no matter. You, like, he, would, he would say, like, you're afraid, but you know you, you're going to do it. Like, you can, you can get past that. And then I thought, like, how crazy it is that when you, when you have that type of, a, like, like, a promotion or, you know, you're going to be doing a, a bigger job it's scary. And you, and especially if you have these other things. So, so my, you know, I had the first thing I thought about was my children and I thought how scary it was to do it. And I think that sometimes that fear stops us from going, from moving forward and from, from doing the things that we really, we know deep down, we really want to do at some point. And in this situation, I, I said, you know what, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'll, 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 you know, when there's a will, there's a way. And, and that's exactly what I did. And I, and I remember being scared, but then each day goes by and you figure it out. Each day goes by, you figure it out before you know it. I was there for six months, you know, into six months. And I, I reflected a little bit and I thought, yeah, six months ago, I was sitting here thinking, how am I going to do this? And here I am making it work. And, and, you know, why did I even worry? Why did I even worry about it? I made it work. I did it. And, and of course, you know, I always say with the help of family and sitters, I mean, you, you figure it out and you make it work and it can be, it, it can be scary. Even this position here, part of this position requires me to be in Springfield and I just, I have to figure it out and I have to make it work. And that's exactly, exactly what I do. So I guess my advice would to other women would be, don't let, don't let the fear stop you. Like you'll figure it out some way or another, you'll figure it out and it'll, it'll all work out. It'll all work out. We love that advice. Courtney and I talk about that all the time. And that's exactly what it is. Like if you're fearful or if you think of all the reasons why you can't do it, you'll come up with a million and then you won't do it. Um, and you mentioned your mentor a little bit when you were just talking about that. Do you want to share who that is and, you know, just kind of give him a little shout out? Yes, absolutely. I would. He'll, he will love this. So <laughs> He is actually the chief of DeKalb Police Department right now. When he retired, he became the chief. His name is Chief Dave Bird, and he is phenomenal. He is full of energy and full of positive positiveness. Um, he has, I've worked with him very early on in my career as a very young trooper. Um, and he has, and, and I'm not the only person that he's mentored. He's mentored a, a, a bunch of us. Um, he's Dave. always told us to do this job the right way. And, um, and, you know, one of the things that always sticks with me is that he always said, like, treat, treat people like they were your family members, like on everything that you do out there on the street, treat them like, like they're your family members. And I always, that always stuck with me and to always do the right thing. So um, throughout my career, you know, I've worked with him in so many aspects. Um, he was actually the, 
previous colonel um, the position that I took over. So I definitely had big shoes to fill. And so, yes, he is, he is, um, you know, my main mentor on this job. I, I have had other mentors also, um, several female mentors who were phenomenal, my, my field training officers. Um, one of them, if I can name her also, her name is um, Cindy Tenza. And uh, she was one of my mentors throughout my career as well. And just always checked, even though we weren't in the same division, she always checked on me. And she always uh, listened. And to this day, I talk to her all the time. And I still always talk to Chief Dave Bird uh, from DeKalb. So they, you know, I always say that you, um, you know, you, you, you want to always pull your own weight. But you all, it's always nice to have somebody in your corner. And, and, you know, I do believe that everyone needs somebody in their corner rooting for them. So yeah. those, are, those are the main two. So think about some of the struggles or maybe a unique story that you have that you didn't anticipate having before you got into leadership. And then here you are in this role leading and you think, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. Do you have anything that you could share with our listeners? I mean, I think it actually, it actually, you know, I think one of the the main things that, uh, and I, I think that this is, I don't, I wouldn't say it's unique. I, I think that it's, one of the things that I do that is a struggle, but I feel like I'm not the only one going through it is like the work balance, the, the, the family life and work balance. I think that that's, that's always a struggle. Like it's never something that you wake up and find the answer to. It's, it's something that it's every day. Sometimes it's per hour where you're, you're trying to juggle and balance everything. And um, so, so I wouldn't say like a unique struggle, but I would say that it's probably a struggle that a lot of women, um, you know, have to deal with. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, it's crazy for our listeners to know, um, just to share something about Margaret. I, yesterday we were talking with her and you know, your daughter had a cheerleading competition and it was like, look at you, you're making all these things work, right? You're going to a cheerleading competition. You're working, you're coming on the podcast. You're trying to share with people, you know, your life and kind of how you make it work. And I think everyone always thinks there's some big secret out there. (laughs) Like if you're super successful and you're in a leadership role, then there's no way you have a family or there's no way you can do all those things, but you're a prime example of that. You know, you can, which is, even better for people, I think, listening that aren't in education that are thinking, is that a possibility for me? You know, can I make this work? Um, So we really, that's really great that you just shared that. And Margaret, do you have people that you, like some F4 leaders, that's a fun, fabulous, fierce female that our listeners should know, should follow on Twitter, anything like that, that you think would um, inspire them further? Yes, I mean, I, I absolutely can name a few, um, you know, coworkers that are just phenomenal women on this job. Um, you know, one one that comes to mind is um, Julia Grabowski. Um, she's amazing. She works out of District Chicago. Um, Teresa Allen is another one. Um, Teresa, um, she also works out of District Chicago, and um, you know, she's a mentor to. She played basketball in college, and she's also a mentor to uh, young women um, and, and helping them, help, helping them um, like tutoring them for their ACT score or test, I mean. And so certain, you know, things like that. She mentors uh, young women all the time. Um, another one is Susanna Mattia. She's another one. You know, I, I think it's so great to see um, these women that I just named that are 
literally working the streets um, in District Chicago. They're super. They're all supervisors, and they handle themselves out there in, in such you know amazing ways um, working the streets. And I think that you know the reason I mention them is because um, they they've stayed that course on the street. And I think it's like you know pretty amazing that they're out there. Um, someone else that I think is also amazing, uh, her name is uh, Jackie Cepeda. She is, um, I, I, I say this, I, my, 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 I love when my mom asks about her also because she is my right-hand woman, is what I say. Um, she is my chief of staff and she's phenomenal. Um, so, so, so smart and just, you know, she, she is, um, I couldn't do this job without her. And um, she is, is that person that um, you know? I will forever thank um, doing this this job that I am doing right now. So, um, and then one other person that I would love to uh, mention also is one of my best friends growing up. She is not in law enforcement. She um, her name is Rita Sola Cook. You can find her through Bank of America, and she is um, a CEO for Bank of America. She is uh, one of the few women that holds. Um, a very high rank in Bank of America. And, um, and she, you know, again, we, we grew up together in Hegwish, which is a, a neighborhood on the southeast side of Chicago. Um, we went to high school together and I, she, she went into banking the year that I started the academy. And there's a group of us that still hang out from high school. And, you know, she has made um, great accomplishments through Bank of America. Um, so that is somebody else that I think would, you know, I would love to get, or, you know, for the F4, I, I, you know, fun, fabulous and fierce female for sure. Yeah. Hey, listen, it sounds like you guys are all alike, which is why you're best friends, right? Court (laughs) (laughs) for sure. I mean, let's be honest. We want to hang out with them. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to make this weird and awkward, but we want to be your best friend is basically what we're saying. Yeah, this is, I mean, anytime. Okay, cool. Cool. We can't (laughs) wait. Um, So thank you again, Margaret, for agreeing to come on with us and kind of just talk about your experience and, you know, maybe your interview today helped inspire somebody who's thinking about going into law enforcement, or maybe they're in education and they're thinking about, you know, taking that next step and hearing that, you know, people can do it in different ways walks of life all the time. doesn't matter if you have kids, if you don't, if you're in education, if you're not. Um, it sounds like it's, it's a lot of who you surround yourself with and the people you ask for advice for. And I'm so glad you have so many people that you can turn to. So until next week, you know, we will be back and always remember to our listeners, if you don't have a seat at the table, you can always sit with us. 